one of the things I want to tell you, the Lord called me a long time before I ever come out. The Lord actually called me in a dream. And I told Claire, Claire, the Lord's called me. She says, what are you going to do? He says, I don't know. What, what do you do? Do you go to people and say, here, the Lord, Lord's called me? So I sat on it, and I never told anybody. And one morning, Pastor McConnell, being as fly as he was, he didn't tell us that there was a visiting pastor coming. And the visiting pastor was up, and it was Pastor Rhodes from Times Square Church. And I please don't take this. But he didn't really bless me, because my heart was, where's Pastor McConnell? And uh, Claire said to me the night before he come, she says, it was a couple of years from the Lord had called me. She says, Tom, what about, she had never spoke to me from it. She says to me, Tom, what about this call from God? And this is the truth. We were lying in bed and I came out with four excuses. I had my own business. I says, Claire, there's bills to pay. There's things to sort out. I can't do it yet. And that morning, I sat in Whitewell and Pastor Rhodes turned around and says, God's called someone and God's called you to serve us and you can make all the excuses. Do you know what he done? He rhymed off all the excuses that I'd made up the night before. And Claire turns around to me, here's Claire. Well, there you go now. You know God's called you and it's ready to go. And you know what? From that day on, the Lord's used me and the Lord called me. So why I'm saying that is, allow the Lord to speak to you this morning. Allow the Lord to minister to you. But get out tonight. And for all you who have stayed at home, Ken will be giving off to me if you still come out tonight. So get out and uh, may the Lord bless us. If you have a Bible, we're turned to Psalm 78 and we're reading from the verse 70. Psalm 78, and we're reading down from the verse 70. The Lord chose David, also his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the yews, great with young, and he brought him to feed Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. Notice that the Lord feeds his people. Do you know one of the things that's being taught today is that we have to be so inclusive that the Lord loves everybody. The Lord has his people and the Lord has his inheritance. You can like that or you can lump it. But the Lord said, I chose you. You didn't choose me. And those who are called of the Lord, let me tell you this this morning. You are his And he's your God and he's a good God. He's a generous God. He's a loving God. And he wants to meet with you this morning. Are you prepared to meet with the Lord this morning? Are you prepared to have fellowship with the Lord this morning? Do you want to have relationship? Well, let's take that opportunity. And the Lord goes on to say, So he fed them according to the integrity. This is King David according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word. 
We thank you, Lord, for the blessing that it is even to us right now as we've read of it. But Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would increase it to us. Lord, that you would divide it and multiply it to us. And Lord, that we would go out blessed and built up. Because Lord, we've melt with you. In Jesus' lovely name. Amen. David comes into history at a very, very bleak time. A time when the nation of Israel is in a backslidden state. And the sad thing about the nation of Israel, it was in a backslidden state because it was being led by a backslidden leader. I said this last week, I'm going to say it again. Old Calvin said these words, when God wishes to judge a nation, he gives them weak leaders. I know people don't like to hear about the judgment of God. I know people don't like to hear that God can be an angry God. I know people don't like to hear that God judges and deals with his people. But the Lord says, whom he loveth, he chasteneth. You'll not allow your child to play in the middle of the road and a car or a lorry coming down the road. You'll not watch that child playing there and go, ah, my wee child, look at it playing in front of that lorry. Lovely, isn't it lovely? You're not going to do that. You're going to run and you're going to catch that child and you're not going to take time You're going to do it with importance. You're going to do it with authority. And you're going to do it with all your might. So it is with the Lord whom he loveth, he chasteneth. And we do things that are against his will. We do things that are against his purpose. And sometimes the Lord has to take a hold of us, even when it seems right. Even when it seems normal. Because here's the sad part about where we are in the history of Israel, where the Lord called David. It was a backslidden king. But do you know what's the sad thing about King Saul? It was another 15 years from when the Lord rejected King Saul till he brought in young David. And here's the interesting thing. Do you see those 15 years that Saul was in the reign? He didn't even realize that he had lost the anointing of God. That's sobering. 15 years and he didn't even realize that the presence of God had departed from him. Pastor McConnell taught us, he says, lads, you see church? He says, do you know a church can function without the Holy Ghost? He says, a matter of fact, 95% of the everyday function of a church can exist without the presence of the Holy Ghost. But it's that 5% that makes the difference. Hold on to that 5%. That's what he taught us. Hold on to the anointing of God. Hold on to the Spirit of God with all you have. Because here's the sad thing. The 95% will distract you from the 5%. The 95% will be the tap on the back. That was fantastic this morning. See, when people are praising the pastor, you're in trouble. We're God's watchmen. Isaiah speaks about blind watchmen 
barking, saying the right things. Jeremiah speaks about when they say there's peace, but there is no peace. Child of God, contrary to those who say that God's just a God of love and there's no such thing as hell and there's no such thing as judgment, I want to tell you, we serve a wonderful God. We serve a loving God, but we also serve a righteous God and a holy God who demands holiness. Can I tell you something? I'm not even qualified to say those words. I'm not even holy enough to mention those words because if we were to stand up this morning and mark the sinners, I'm going to tell you, as Paul said, I'd be the chief of sinners. I'd be right up there. But it doesn't stop me from wanting to get closer to my God. It doesn't want me to stop from doing what's right by my God. Is there anybody here this morning and you want to get closer to him? Is there someone here this morning and you know there's an emptiness in your life and you're saying, Lord, I want more of you, but I don't know how to do it? Well, thank God for his word this morning. Thank God for his word that David told us, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thank God for David. Because you see, David, David qualifies us all. David allows us all to see something of ourselves in him. There's the good David. There's the bad David. And there's the ugly David. But God still loved him. And God still used him. And the devils may be telling you this morning, you're not good enough. Well, listen, that's continue in the word of God. Saul started out, do you know, Saul started out fantastic. And that's one of the things about the Christian faith. Do you ever look back and say, I remember when I was first saved. I hear so many people come to me and that's what they say, Tom, see, I remember I was on fire. I, did, I couldn't miss a meeting. Even if you were preaching, I would have been there. It didn't take care of the innocent to fill the tap. Ken's going to have to have a word we use. <laughs> thank God I don't take a person. But here, there's a great crowd here this morning. And thank you for coming out. And I pray that the Lord blesses you. But Saul, come with great promises. Great ambition. But I always say, be careful with the Saul's. Saul had a thing that's dangerous in the church. I preach against it like a record stuck. And it's a thing called false humility. It's the quaking Christian. The timid Christian. You look at them and you say, boy, you've it all worked out. But it's false. And you have to be honest with yourself this morning. You have to be honest with the Lord this morning. And you have to be prepared to see past yourself and say, Lord, are you prepared to say these words? I'm even afraid to say these words because to say them scares me. Are you prepared to ask the Lord to take a dealing with you? Are you prepared to say to the Lord, Lord, move in me? Take that out of my life. 
put into me what you have for me? Are you prepared to do that? Saul had all the promises. Saul stood head and shoulders above everybody else. If you were to have a king, my goodness, Saul was the man to be the king. Heads and shoulders above everybody else. Built like a tank. For the ladies, he was gentle on the eye. He had it all. Had everything. He won, the, his first fight was a victory against the Amorites. The enemies of God. He even fought for the underdogs. The Jabesh Gilead, whatever the, the enemy says, will forgive you on one condition, just cut off your ears. Saul heard it and says, what a terrible thing to ask anybody. I'm going to defend these people. He stood up for the underdog. He was the champion of the people. But things quickly took a turn for the worse. Saul rebelled, not against the people, not against his family. Saul rebelled against God. Do you know Saul didn't even know he had rebelled against God? Samuel had to come to him. And Samuel had to say, you've rebelled. The Lord is entering into judgment. Do you know the Lord gives Saul a warning? He gave him an opportunity to repent. He gave him an opportunity to turn. And I believe the Lord's given us an opportunity this morning to not only get closer to him, but maybe there's someone here this morning and you know you need to repent. I'm not asking you to come to the front this morning and do the, the public repentance. I'm not asking you to do the stand of shame. That's not what I'm here for this morning. I'm not interested in that. I'm asking you this morning, are you serious about getting close to the Lord? Are you serious about getting back into that relationship, into that closeness with the God of this universe in a time where we need men and women? I love, I absolutely love it. Anybody knows me. I love when you read about John the Baptist. I honestly mean this. Even going to set, and I have very few hers left, and the hers stand on mine. I'll say my neck. I've more hers around there to have up here. And it says in the Bible, there was a man sent from God. Oh, if ever our nation needed a man sent from God, it is now. If ever we needed a nation where there's women sent from God, it is now. D.L. Moody was challenged on the streets of Dublin by old Old Darby, he was a villain in his Bible prophecy, but I'll tell you one thing, he spoke to D.L. Moody, and Moody and him were walking the streets of Dublin, and Darby challenged Moody that this world has yet to see a man or a woman that's so touched by God that they can change the world. Moody stood in the streets of Dublin, he says, Lord, let that be me, and the spirit fell on Moody. And Moody won over a million people to the Lord when there was no Sky TV, there was no radios, there was no media broadcast. Moody won a million people to the Lord with one thing and one thing only. There was a man sent from God. 
And the Lord wants to send you. Every one of you. The Lord wants to use you. Whether that be in the capacity of your family. Whether that be in the capacity of your town. Whether that be in the capacity of your county. Your, your, your province. God qualifies and calls us to different accounts. Find what God has called you. But the least of the calling is for your family. The least of your calling is for your family. Before a man can be a deacon or an elder or a pastor, he must be leader of what? His own home. That's why I'm some of my wife to my back here, because I'm pretty sure she'll probably be going, hmm. I'll just stay like this for a minute until she forgets I've said it. And if every one of us was honest here, do you know where our biggest struggle is? At home. And do you know why it's our biggest struggle? Because our family knows the real you. And the real me. (laughs) I'm included in this. And that's where Saul, and that's where false humility comes in. Do you see the amount of people that I've spoke to over the years? And they hate God. And they grew up in a Christian home. And do you know what they say to me? I watched my mum. I watched my dad. They were one person in church. And they were another person at home. Nobody wants to be like that. Does anybody want to be like that? Do you know why we struggle in the church and we struggle in the home? When we come to church, we hear and find the person we want to be. That's why you're here this morning. But when we go home, we're reminded of who we really are, what we really are, and what we need to be. And we wrestle. On a Sunday, everybody makes a fresh commitment to the Lord. Lord, this is the week. You get your fists. You close your eyes a bit tighter when you really mean it. Lord, this is the week I'm changing. Oh, Lord, I'm going. Oh, praise God, I'm really changed this week. And you go home. You have great plans for the week. Monday comes. And if if you've really made a really good, tight-fisted, tight-eyed commitment, you'll maybe make it through the Monday. Maybe. Tuesday comes and Sunday's a bit further away and you forget and the next thing you're back. And do you know what we do? We go through the motions. Motion, motion, motion. And what it does, it desensitizes us. We actually become familiar with it. This is why one of the things people don't understand with me, I have people come to me all the time such and such, I found out he's doing such and such a thing. Terrible. Terrible. Do you know why it's terrible to them? Because they don't struggle with that. But if I was to turn around and say, well, actually, I heard you're struggling with such and such and such and such. You know what they'll turn around and say? Ah, but it's not that bad. It's not as bad as his. See, what happens is we become familiar and desensitized to the guilt of sin. Tell you what, you'll be looking Ken back. You'll be on the phone, Ken, come back. 
But that's the truth. We become desensitized. And King Saul became desensitized. And it was so great in the turn of events that in 1 Samuel 15, it says, It grieved Samuel. And he cried unto the Lord all night. Is there something and you can't sleep at night? Is there something and it's robbing you of your peace? Samuel, the prophet of God, the man that God called, one of the greatest prophets ever in the word of God. And here he is and he can't sleep at night because of what's happening in his nation. Do you know what's one of the sad things? When we're in trouble, we lose our sleep. When our nation's in trouble, we don't. I remember churches used to call all night prayer meetings. Please don't think I ain't going to be the, the, the one standing here. By the way, we don't call all night prayer meetings in my church because it'll only be me who would turn up. So, <laughs> and that's not an offense to anybody who goes to my church. What I'm saying is, we have got to the point, and the Lord said, them that seek me early shall find me. You read all the men in the Bible, the Moses, the Joshua. See if you ever read when God commanded them, it says they got up early. See, we've become relaxed in our state. We've become normal to it. But Samuel was grieved. And Saul, like so many, he made outward token sacrifice. Saul went through the motions. Can I tell you, just because you're here this morning, just because you maybe, I don't think any of you would have a bigger Bible on me this morning. Mine's massive. But just, they say the bigger the Bible, the bigger the, the hypocrite. But just because we've got the big Bibles and just because we're dressed nice and because we're looking the part and we've took a shower to come out to church, we've shaved. I do my weekly shave to come to church. I hate shaving. And I, you know, we, we do what we think because we have to look that bit different. We have to. This is where we make. The, the, the. To do anything different is to be marked out. People will look at you. So we go through the motions, we do the token gestures, and we come out to the house of the Lord. And Saul done token sacrifice. Listen to 1 Samuel 15 and the verse 22. And Samuel said, Have the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. That's what Samuel says to Saul. Saul, you can do all the token sacrifices. You can do all the, this pomp, all the ceremony. You can sing all the hymns. You can raise all the hands you want. Obedience. Obedience. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. You can put the great, you can be the best taver. You can be the most generous giver in this church. You can be the most faithful attendee. And you can still be out of touch with God. And then Samuel goes on to say in 1 Samuel 13 and the verse 14, but now thy kingdom will not continue. 
Imagine hearing that. Imagine God speaking right into your life this morning saying, I'm done with you. I'm finished with you. And do you know what's the interesting thing about it? Saul just kept going on. He didn't repent. He didn't do anything to change his lifestyle. God spoke straight to him through the prophet Samuel and says, Saul, I'm speaking to you the word of the Lord. Listen to what I'm telling you, Saul. But now thy kingdom will not continue. The Lord have sought him a man after his own heart. And the Lord have commanded him to be captain over his people. Because thou has not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. And still, for 15 years after that, Saul kept going and functioning and doing the ceremony and doing the pomp. Function. Going through life. But do you see those 15 years? Those were 15 years of hell for Saul and for Saul's family. Falling apart. But here's the good news. And I love that our God is a good God. And there's good news when it comes to Jesus. He says, but I have a man. I've got somebody. Is there someone here this morning and you're that somebody? Is there someone here this morning and maybe you've messed up, but you've got a heart You see, if you've got a heart to do something for God, that tells me that God hasn't given up on you. If you've got a heart this morning and you're hearing the Lord saying, I want to use you, it doesn't make no odds what age you are. Do you know what's the interesting thing? And I love this. The Lord turns around to Samuel and says, I've got myself a man. As a matter of fact, he's not only a man, he's going to be a captain. This man's going to be a leader. This man's special. Do you know what's the interesting thing about this man? He was still a wee child when the Lord says, I have a man. That shows me that the Lord sees the man and the woman in every one of you that you can be. Remember it says that the Lord tempted Abram. In the Greek New Testament, or sorry, in the Hebrew, the translators they were wrong. It actually should be trans- translated, he tested. God doesn't tempt. Satan tempts you. God tests you. Do you know why God tests you? Does any of you know why God tests you? Do you know why you have to go through things? And preachers will sadly tell you, it's because the Lord wants to see what you've got in you, brother. The Lord wants to see what you've got, if you've got it. The Lord doesn't want to see enough, and he knows everything. Do you know why the Lord tests you? Because he wants you to see what you have in you. The Lord doesn't test you for him to see. He wants you to see. He wants you to see the captain that you can be. He wants you to see the leader that you can be. Is there someone and you're going through something and you're saying, I don't know how I'm going to make it out of it? I'm here to tell you, you're going to make it out of it. Because my Lord says, I will never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. 
And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I preach that in every message I ever preach. Because I will never get over how great is my God. And he's in you this morning. And he wants to bring the captain out of you. He doesn't want you sitting in the workplace like a quivering Annie being all, oh, bless the Lord. He wants you to be a leader. And he wants you to lead them to Christ. And when you're done with them, lead your town, your village, your city, and your nation. Don't worry about Boris Johnson. Don't worry about them leaders because the Lord doesn't worry about them. Because here's what the Lord's saying. There's a wee lad in the hills of Bethlehem and his own family doesn't even love him. But I love him and I'm going to use him. I said this last week about David. David wasn't wanted. This is the interesting thing. Pastors and preachers don't like to preach in this. Many theologians believe that David, he may have been from another relationship. David said, though my mother and my father forsake me, David wasn't wanted. Do you want me to prove to you that David wasn't wanted? Who would put a child into the hills of Bethlehem at 10, 11 years of age? And let them go out into the hills for weeks, months on end. And not go and check on them. Who would allow their child if a land came and tried to kill their child. And they come home and says, a land tried to kill mother. Do you know what the mum would say? You're not going back. What mother would allow a child to go back to be killed by a land? Not only did they let him go back after the land attack. He went back and there was a bird attack. And he comes back home and says... Do you remember the land tried to kill me? Well, a bird tried to kill me. And any mother or father would say, right, that's it, David. We're selling them sheep. Jesse, sell them sheep. Our David's going to get killed. No, they sent them back to the point they forgot about him. They didn't want them. Do you feel overseen? Do you feel forgotten? Do you feel unwanted? Well, that's just what it takes to be wanted by God. Because when men and women don't want you, there's one on glory and saying, come on to me, all your weak, all your casting aside, all your heavy laden, come to me, come to me. You see those situations, it's the God of this universe calling you onto himself. You see, our God, oh, the critics of the Bible love this. You know what it says in the Bible that our God's a jealous God? You ever hear the critics? They love that. Oh, jealous? What sort of a God's jealous? I thank God my God's jealous. Do you know why I thank God my God's jealous? Because he's jealous. Do you know why God's jealous? He doesn't want to share you. That's why God is jealous. A jealous God doesn't want to share you with anyone. And he most certainly doesn't want to share you with Satan and this world. Thank God. Say it with me. Thank God our God's a jealous God. Thank God, our God's a jealous God. The next time them out critics come, what's the word of a God's jealous say? Thank God he is. What way with her time? Do you know what? I've got carried away this morning. But do you know the Lord's good? 
here's where we're coming to. Give me five minutes. Will you give me five minutes? Are we all right for five minutes, Andrew? I've got carried away. I tell you, I haven't even got into the notes. But sure, listen. We'll trust that the Lord's been speaking. The Lord instructs Samuel, Samuel, things need to be sorted out. God doesn't turn a blind eye to what's going on. And God decides I'm going to sort things out. Now here's Samuel, okay? Here's the man of God. If Samuel had to do this, we need to do it too. In 1 Samuel 16 and the verse 1, the Lord challenges Samuel, how long wilt thou mourn for Saul? Christians, be careful you don't get yourselves in that pity parlor for so long about the state of this world that it starts to change you. There's a danger in that. There's a danger in getting caught up in the doom and the gloom. and Oh, isn't it awful? Isn't it awful? Isn't it awful? That's all you hear. Oh, the world's going to hell. It's awful. It's awful. The Lord says, Samuel, how long are you going to go on like this for? (laughs) Isn't that strange that the Lord has to take the servant of God and say, Samuel, calm down. Settle yourself here. Now listen to me. We've got business to do. Who's ready for some business for the kingdom? Well, that's what the Lord says. Set yourself, Samuel. We have got business to do. Less of them open, less of the gloping, because I am a God of victory. And here's how it's going to happen. He says, Samuel, stop mourning. I've rejected him. He's done with. It's over. See, you ever hear the saying, what's in the past is in the past? The Lord's a God of the past because he lets it go. It's under the blood. If you've done something and people won't forgive you. To pot with them. It's under the blood. There's only one who will do that to you. And that is Satan who's known as the accuser of the brethren. But here's a wee bit of advice for you. The word of God says they overcome them. By the blood of the lamb. And by the word of their testimony. If you want victory this morning. You may have messed up. You may be in the greatest mess of your life. Put it under the blood. And declare victory. Through the mouth. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. He's greater than Satan. He's greater than your situation. He's greater than that that is coming against you. And I know there's things that comes against us. And you can't even put it into words. They're that terrible. Do you know how you do it? See, when you can't find the words... Cover it in the blood and worship the Lord. See, when you can't find the words to explain, speak to him. Worship him. I've told you this before and I'm going to tie you it again. Solomon says a good name is his precious ointment poured forth. What do you use ointment for? When you've got a wound, when you've got something that needs soothing, you pour ointment onto it. Solomon says a good name is his precious ointment. There's healing in a good name. Who's that good name? That name is Jesus. When you have nothing else left to say, just say Jesus. 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 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. There's nobody like Jesus. Minister his name into your life. Because Solomon tells us again in 18, in the Proverbs chapter 18, there is life and there's death in the tongue. And he goes on to say, and you will eat the fruit thereof. If you plant a bad seed with this, you're going to eat a bitter seed with this. If you plant a good seed with this, what does the Lord say? By their fruits, ye shall know them. I'm going to give you as a wee secret. This here can change your life. And this here can ruin your life. Start to speak. Now, I always be careful because I need to preach this on a whole message. Start because these, uh, these modern, well-dead-being people, they use this because they know Satan's an imitator. He uses the things of God. Start to use this to speak into your life. Speak the word of God into your life. Speak the power of God into your life. And the Lord says to Samuel, he says, Samuel, here's what you need to do. Fill thine horn with oil. Get filled up. Get filled up. Get filled. Oil in the Bible. What does oil speak of? The Holy Ghost. People will tell you today that there's no need for the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They'll tell you it's not applicable. It died off. I want to tell you how I can prove to you. I can 100% prove to you that there is a baptism of the Holy Ghost. Do you want me to prove it to you? I've sat in meetings and watched Satan manifest with people speaking with men's voices. Women sitting in my church manifesting demons to the point that children got up and run out the back door screaming. And you're going to tell me that there's no baptism of the Holy Ghost while Satan is wreaking havoc on our nation and our people. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Get filled with the oil. Samuel, go get filled up because I've got a job to do. Oh, to God that he would fill you. I can listen. Please see when I endorse the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I'm not telling you to be a rocket. Pentecostal movements follow them. Please, please, please don't think I'm telling you. I'm telling you to go and have an encounter with the Lord. That's what I'm telling you to do. Have an encounter with the Lord. People filled with the Holy Ghost will bring wisdom. Do you know the gifts of the Holy Ghost? I'm actually doing a study on it at the moment. Everybody thinks it starts with tongues and ends with tongues. Do you know where that winds me up? Where a bunch of tongues speak in nothings. Where's the rest of the gifts? Tongues are only the, 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 the presence, the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. And Paul teaches us that several of the gifts will be given. Where's the healings? Where's the discernment? Where's the words of knowledge? Where's the faith? See, here's why I'm challenging us to get filled up. I genuinely mean this. I want to be careful how I say this. One of the hardest things for me is I've seen it. 
I sign up. Do you know, I speak with other pastors at times, and you know what I actually say? Sometimes I wish I'd never seen up. See, when you know something's there, and you've seen it, and all of a sudden it's not there. I've seen miracles. I've seen it happening. And I'm not trying to put anybody down. That's why I'm careful when I say this. I'm trying to pill Jews up for one reason. It's somebody here this morning, one person catches this. The Lord can do miracles in your life. He can do something special. And all you need is say, Lord, fill me up. Who wants filled up this morning? Say, Lord, fill me up. Say that with me. Lord, fill me up. Do you know what's the greatest disaster? And this is my last point. Trust me, Andrew. I'm, I'm, I'm not holding you up. There's, a, there's an account in 2 Samuel 18. 2 Samuel 18 and the verse 22. Then said Hamaz, the son of Sodak, yet again to Joab, But howsoever, let me, I pray thee, also run after Cushi. And Joab said, Wherefore wilt thou run, my son, seeing thou hast no tidings ready? Here's what happens. This is the war with Absalom. The nation's been overthrown. We have a man by the name of Hamaz, and he's a good runner, and he wants to run with a message to the king. He wants to be used. But the problem is, Cushy is already away with the message. There's no need for Hamaz. And Hamaz does something. He tortures Joab. Joab, let me run with a message to the king. Let me run with a message to the king. Let me go. And Joab saying, what are you going for? There's no message. You've nothing to give. Let me run. Listen to this. Verse 23. But howsoever, said he, let me run. And Job said to him, run. Where you go? Go on then, run. And Hamaz ran, by the way, on the plain, and he overran Cushai. He actually overtook him. If you read on, and please mark this and read on in your own personal time, you will find where Hamaz actually overtakes him, gets the King David first. And King David says to him, Hamaz, have you anything to tell me? Now here's the problem with the Christian church. As one of the greatest tragedies today is there are too many of us and we're running on empty. This man Hamaz had all the gifts. He was even better than the man that was being used. Do you know there's people here today and you're even better? Listen, and this isn't false humility. You're probably ten times better than me. And you're probably sitting there going, I could have done a better job than this. And you'll be right. But here's where the problem is. Hamaz gets to David. David says to him, come to me. What have you got to tell me? You know what Hamaz does? David, all is well in the house. 
you know what David says to them? David discerned. He says, get this side. Do you know what we as the Christian church need to learn to do? Do you see if you have nothing to give and you're getting involved in the things of God, kick them out. Get rid of them. Do you see if you don't want to be here, and I don't mean this, this isn't my place, but see if you're discontented with CET, or if this isn't even your church and you're going somewhere, and you're discontented, here's what you're best to do. Move aside. But don't be going around speaking in people's ears and saying, okay, I'm not happy. Do you know Ken didn't look at me the other day there? And I wasn't pleased about it at all. And do you know what? I'm just thinking about leaving Ken. But do you know what you'll do before you leave, Ken? You'll tell about 20 different people in the hope that they go with you. Do you know what the Bible calls that? It says it's rebellion. And do you know what rebellion, do you know what the Lord says? Rebellion is as witchcraft. You're getting caught up in something that's very dangerous. If you want to be in CET, be in here and get filled up and be used of God. See, if you don't, and you're going around and you're mouthing and you're complaining. I wish I'd learned that years ago. My life would have been a lot easier. But David shows us what you do. He says to Hamas, he says, get to the side, get out. You see, when you get into the real nitty-gritty business of God, the men of God start to discern, and you start to get yourself into a place that you shouldn't be. And in comes Cushy behind. The man who was slower... The man who had been overtook. The man who was late. And David says, Cushy, what is the news? And here's Cushy. It's bad news, David. David says, come closer. He knew the truth. You see, empty vessels. Good news, good news, good news. That's a great life, that's a great life. God loves you. He wants you to get a Ferrari. He wants you to have everything. This is a great life. That's not the message. Here's what Cushy says. He says, David, have bad news. Your son's dead. Absalom's been defeated. I'm not saying that the true falls has to be bad news. But here's what I'm saying to you this morning. You have to get filled up with God. You have to. You have to want more of him. You have to want more of him. Who wants more of him this morning? Well, let me tell you how easy it is. The Lord says, Samuel, fill up your horn. Do you know how you fill up the horn? Lord, fill me up. That's how easy it is. Fill me up. Fill me up, Lord. Just submit him. As Glenn said this morning at the table, humble yourself. Forget about yourself. Forget about what you, you've been disappointed with. One last point. David was rejected by man, but he was approved by God. Rejected by man, rejected by his own family, rejected by his own mother. Rejected by his own brothers, even when he went to war, his own brothers rejected him. But do you know what's the interesting thing? David was son number eight. Does any of you know what the number eight means in the Bible? New beginning, a fresh start. Who needs a fresh start this morning? Thank God he's the God 
of fresh start after fresh start. Thank God he's the God of second chances. Listen, my second chance went out the window on the first night I was saved. <laughs> if we're going to start keeping numbers, we're in trouble. But do you know what the Lord does? It's like the lady at the well. He asked her, how many husbands have you had? She says, I have no husband. She twisted the truth. Do you see if she'd done that with us? Do you know what we would have said? The Lord's done with you. Away you go, you girl, you land there. No, the Lord says, you said right. He corrected her. See, the Lord in his correction shows his love. And maybe the Lord this morning has been showing you where he wants you. Here's the thing. He didn't say to the lady at the well, right, I'll be back in two months and we'll see how we'll go from there. He didn't do that. Here was a woman who had just told a lie two minutes ago. And what does he do? He explains to her, I want to fill you up. Out of the belly will flow rivers of living water. It's not lovely. Even after she's messing about, twisting the truth, and he still wants to fill her up. Isn't it lovely? You can be messing up this morning. Even as you're sitting in them seats, you can be messing up, and the Lord says, I'll fill you up right now. That's how easy it is. Don't be doing this whole thing. I need to go home. I need to get right with the Lord. I need to get, well, if I pray a good 45 minute prayer, I think I'll be ready. No. Call upon the name of the Lord. Call on him right now. Call. Are you closing in worship? Sages are closing in worship. Maybe you don't put out your hands. Take yourself out of your comfort zone and do as Samuel when he filled up the horn says, Lord, here I am. Fill me up. I'm out of my comfort zone. I'm stepping out for you. Oh, anybody I ever see lifting their hands? <laughs> see, take your eyes and fix them on him. Say, Lord, fill me up. Fill me, Lord. Please receive that word. Take that word. Allow that word to change you. God's looking for a man. God's looking for a woman. He can see the man. David was a child. A wee boy. And God could still see the captain. He could see the leader. And this morning, he sees it in you. Allow him to bring it out. May God bless you and may God equip you. Sorry for keeping you. Praise God.